Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and I'm so happy to be here with you today and my friend, Leslie Verner. Leslie is the author of Invited, The Power of Hospitality in an Age of Loneliness. She has traveled widely in her life and spent five years in China before returning to the United States to marry an actor in Chicago. She is a former middle school teacher with a master's in intercultural studies and now writes before dawn and reads too many books at once. She lives with her husband and their three small children in northern Colorado. Leslie writes about faith, justice, and cross-cultural issues at scrapingraisins.com. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation about how we can alleviate this feeling of loneliness and isolation and disconnection from God and others. And so here is my conversation with Leslie. Hello, Leslie. Hey. Hey, thanks so much for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. Thanks for having me. You call yourself a goer learning to stay. You have lived around the world and say in most communities, the ones who make the difference are not the ones who swoop in to save the day, but the ones who stayed. How do you suggest that we move past the inclination to go and learn to stay instead? Um, well, I, you know, I want to, um, first of all, say that I don't, not everybody's like me, but not everybody probably wants to go somewhere or have this kind of wanderlust. Um, I definitely have friends who all they want is to have stability and stay in one place. But so I just want to acknowledge that too. Um, but I, for me personally, I always wanted to live overseas and, I imagined that even when I had kids, I would probably travel all over the place or at least, you know, be a missionary somewhere. And so kind of um, settling in Colorado and life taking different turns than I expected, I've kind of struggled with that contentment of staying in one place. Um, So for me personally, kind of buying a house did that for me. Uh, It kind of... We, I, we had always rented and I actually never even wanted to own a house. So that sounds so spoiled in a way, like I, you know, it's, it's the most amazing thing, but for me, I, I, I kind of wanted to be able to leave at any time, but when you're married and you have kids, it's probably not beneficial to just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, and so, um, but when we finally bought a house, I, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't until I was about 38 years old, um, that I, that we got the, our first house and that kind of clicked something for me, just knowing that I was probably going to be somewhere longer than two years and that I could plant things in the ground that were going to stay that I might see next season or, you know, just something mentally shifted once I knew we were going to be here longer. So I don't, I, I don't know like universally how people can be content with that, but, but something about just taking that stand and saying, we're going to be here for a little while helped me to want to pour into the people around me. And, um, just even, yeah, like I said, by like just something physical, like buying things for my garden helped me to, um, feel a bit more settled. So, I mean, I have a lot more I could say about that, but (laughs) but but you're, yeah, but you're learning, you're learning to stay. That's the key. I still am. Yeah. We, I mean, Cause we, we haven't been here that long. So 
you write a blog called Scraping Raisins. Uh, so where does this title come from? Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, people keep asking me that now that I have a book out. I'm like, oh, I wish it was like a more profound title. But <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so a few years ago, I, um, I actually had named it something else, but um, it was something relating to missionaries and I needed to link up to a missionary site where they didn't use the word missionary. And so I quickly changed the title and I had just been thinking about this idea because when I go on runs, I'm a runner. I mean, not a runner. I, I'm a recreational runner. Um, I That's the time when I like get all my ideas for writing or just for life. Like I come home after a run and I run inside and I scribble down like all these ideas. And so at the time, I think, you know, we were eating a lot of raisins probably with my kids and it just, the way that I felt and the way the ideas just flowed, it reminded me of like when you tip over the raisin box and you scrape out those last little raisins from the bottom of the box, like that's mm-hmm. what my thoughts felt like, my creativity, it just got scraped free. And so I was like, if I have a blog, maybe I'll call it Scraping Raisins. So <laughs> I, lo- I love it. You have a blog that's like a brand or your name, but I'm like, the name Scraping Raisins is pretty memorable, more memorable than Leslie Burner. So I'm like, okay, I'll just leave it. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's, that's where the title came to be. You recently released your first book, Invited, The Power of Hospitality in an Age of Loneliness. Did this project stem from your own loneliness? Yes. Yeah, so the, the book came out of me, well, I'm, you know, over life, a lifetime of loneliness probably, but li- um, I lived in China for five years and before I was married and, you know, I had, I experienced a lot of loneliness there, but then transitioning from China back to the U S and getting married and having kids. And then we moved to Colorado just through all of those transitions. There was a lot of loneliness. I think anytime we go through transition, in life, you know, our freshman year of college or freshman year of high school or uh, our first job and we don't know anyone, um, we go through those times where we feel lonely. And so one difference was when I lived in China and felt lonely, there were always people around asking me to do things with them or to come to their home for a meal or um, different things like that. And so I started noticing that in the United States, that was not happening to the same level that it did in, when I've lived overseas in other places. And so as we transitioned from Chicago to Colorado and just kind of struggled to find our find community and find friends, I started asking the question, you know, what if, what if we in the West um, started showing hospitality the way that people in Eastern cultures do it kind of more organically how would that impact our communities and how would that impact our churches if it was more natural? And I think, you know, in different pockets of the U S and different families, you know, it's not across the board that no one is hospitable. I mean, cause I've right. certainly, you know, in my book, I have lots of stories of hospitality I've experienced in the West. Um, but at, overall as a culture, we tend to be a bit more individualistic and um, independent and less, communal and focused on relationships. So, yeah, you know, I I agree with you. And I would say many of the listeners today have felt lonely or isolated or disconnected from God and from others. So um, I think we all crave authentic community, but we really don't have any idea where to start. Mm -hmm. So where do you suggest that we start? 
I mean, there's so many different places, uh, but I think that often we, we wait around for others to invite us places. I know that I've done, I remember that even in high school that, uh, you know, groups would go out after church and I would feel left out. And then one day it just dawned on me. I'm like, I can just invite myself. Like I can just invite myself along, you know? Um, and I still struggle with that as an adult. And even in my thirties, it's been very challenging to find friends. But what I've realized is that I'm not the only one who feels lonely. Probably everyone else does too. Mm-hmm. I think we, we often think we're the only ones, but everybody, I mean, I guess I can't say everybody, but I would say most people are craving relationships where they feel known and where they know others and where they feel like they belong. And I think that's just part of being a human being. And um, I think a lot of it depends on our stages of life. You know, like having kids can be lonely if, if, if you move, especially if you move sometime in that, like when you're, when you have, when you're in the middle of having kids or when you're getting married, or if you're single, I, I was single until I was almost 32. So there was definitely periods of loneliness where I would show up at a church and the church catered to families and I I wasn't sure where I fit. And so, you know, it's different in different stages of life, but I came across this story when I was researching for my book about this couple who were contemplating leaving their church because they didn't have community. They didn't feel like they belonged, but instead of leaving church, they decided to try something different. And what they did was they decided to invite a different person or couple or family over every Sunday after church for a year and then see. And then of course, at the end of a year, a lot of those strangers and, uh, and acquaintances had become friends and they did feel like they had community, but it took them being intentional about it and stepping out and instead of waiting for an invitation, inviting first. Mm, that's so good. You know, just recently I had sort of started feeling a little disconnected. And then I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, I'm the one that's pulled away. I'm the yeah. one that has stopped going to some of these things that I was going to, because as a writer, sometimes it's like, no, I need to stay at home and <laughs> stay with my, my keyboard. Um, and yeah. um, so I've now just, I'm just sort of recognizing that in myself, like, wait a minute, where have all my friendships gone? And it's because I had, I had pulled away. Um, and so that makes so much sense to me, what you were just saying. Yeah. It's a balance, you know, and I think as a writer, that's a whole nother conversation because you, I think you do end up losing friendships <laughs> because you're, you know, you need, you need solid time to write. And it, a lot of times for me, that time is time. The time I'm writing is oftentimes when I used to call a friend that lives far away, or it, it's often times when, you know, I'll still get you know, messages from other women. Oh, we're going to this park. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm writing, I'm working. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a working mom. Um, and so, you know, I think there's, there's, um, some balance, but you're also prioritizing. So it's difficult. (laughs) So, but that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) So, so you, you, you mentioned earlier, people long to belong. So we all need community connection and love. Is this why you think that invitations are so magic? I do. I I think um, I was just telling a friend yesterday, actually, that even if I can't do something with someone, 
I want them to invite me. <laughs> so <laughs> I still want to be invited. And even if they kind of know that I can't do it, I still want them to invite me. I think um, we just, yeah, there is something magical about wanting, you know, about people wanting us and wanting, you know, wanting to be with us. And so I, I, I need, I need to remember that myself, that I, I also need to be inviting others. And um, I think that does stem a lot of it from, from the Bible, which is kind of where I use uh, what I use um, my book to it's sorry, it's central to my book because we are invited by God and out of that identity, we invite others. And so I think it's kind of central to us as human beings because we do long to be wanted and known and loved for who we are, but it often requires that we are not so busy, that we have time for people, that we reserve time for people and that we're willing to be spontaneous you know, so I, I think a lot of things kind of are stacked up against us um, from the get go because we are such a busy culture. So, um, yeah, but we do long to be known and loved for who we are. And um, I think that requires us to also be open to relationships and to be known, allow ourselves to be. Yeah. Oh, I love that about God really being the first one to invite us. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, so why is inviting always the hardest part and, and how do we move past that? I mean, I think, cause we're putting ourselves on the line, you know, like it, probably people aren't going to reject us, but I, for me, I, I'm worried that, that I will be rejected. I'm worried that someone will say no yeah. or, and I, I think I read into that if someone does say no, especially if they say no more than once. And I start believing that they don't want to be friends with me and they don't want to know me. And, you know, I think we create these narratives in our heads that, that we start to believe that are not true. And so, um, but it's, I think it's scary to put yourself out there, even if it's just a simple text message to ask someone to do something, it can be, um, I don't know, you feel vulnerable because, well, and I think it's showing like, oh, I need people. I can't, I'm not, I'm not enjoying life isolated or lonely or on my own. I need people. And so there's something about, I think even in our culture, there's something about that. That's not okay. Like that we should be, be able to, um, self-sustain and, and not need others, but we're created to need others. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know for me personally, that's, I think it's just the fear of rejection and, um, the fear that someone, you know, ultimately doesn't want to know me. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would say the same for me. And I think because we have been rejected before, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, hospitality is at the heart of Christian community. Mm-hmm. We mentioned sort of Western culture. So, earlier. So what do we as Westerners need to learn about hospitality from people around the globe? Um, I mean, that's a huge question. And um, in my book, I wanted to be careful not to make like massive stereotypes, you know, or sweeping generalizations about, you know, cultures. And yet I, you know, I, um, I lived in China for five years and I lived in Uganda for six months. 
I've been to a lot of other countries and I studied culture for my master's. So, um, so it, it was kind of through my own observations and studying that I, I, w- I came to learn that a lot of other cultures do value community above the individual in that it, it wasn't even really learned for them. It was just from it, from the time they were born and sleeping with their moms, you know, and not being put in another bedroom, you know, like we are, we are groomed for independence from the time we're babies. And I mean, I'm not making a statement about, you know, the way moms should do that or not do that. But, um, but, but we don't even think about it. It's just a part of our culture. Um, you know, we, we want to have our kids to have their own bedrooms and their own toys and, um, just it's like do things by themselves. Whereas if you go to a lot of other countries, like parents are like spoon feeding their kids until they're like four or five years old. And, you know, like I just, there's this kind of cultural differences. And so for better or for worse. Um, but I think what that does is we grow up kind of being more individualistic and, and valuing that more than we value the community or the relationship. And so I think what we can learn is, you know, not that independence is evil um, because I think, you know, there's a lot of fabulous things about it, but that um, just recognizing that maybe we haven't been groomed from an early age to welcome others into our spaces, um, that privacy is often more important than relationship. And yeah, the Bible is actually, you know, in the East. And, um, so sometimes I wonder if, you know, when Paul said, um, you know, practice hospitality and, or Peter said, you know, practice hospitality without grumbling, um, you know, and he's saying that to people that did practice hospitality in there, you know, that was like, that was normal for them. I think it's even harder for us in the West because we haven't grown up in that culture of naturally welcoming others into our home and our life. And, and so I think it's just a challenge that we have to, you know, overcome some of those barriers. Sorry, I need to cough for a second. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> um, but I think we can learn, you know, from others about that, um, that sometimes, but, but I think it will take some personal discomfort for us to set aside some of our time or our comfort to um, make space for, for people in, in our lives. And I I do think that that's what God wanted for us, um, is, is for us to lay down some of our own, um, personal space and, um, some of our own independence to welcome others into our life, even if it's not comfortable. Wow. This is, this is so interesting. I want to hear about all of your travels and all the cultures and all the, uh, So, so how do we, you know, most of my listeners, I think are, are Westerners. So Mm -hmm. how how do we, how do we make the time to cultivate friendships in our busy culture? I mean, I'm struggling with that every day. So my, my oldest is in first grade. And so we're just not reaching the decisions about, you know, how many activities, what's important, you know, like I think a lot of moms in the West kind of struggle with that of like, what's worth our time and our money. And is he going to even have memories of this? I have no illusions of him being like a champion soccer player, but maybe the, you know, this, the character building is worth it, you know? So I'm, I'm still struggling with this. So I, I, um, I feel like I, I, 
I'd love to ask a mom with teenagers or something like that. But, um, but from this point in my life and, um, I can tell you my ideals. (laughs) So, um, like ideally I would, I think that when we have our kids in activities or even when we're single, like I, you know, when I was single, I, I could sign myself up for all these activities or volunteer or take on extra work. Um, I think when we're so busy, we don't have time for relationship and, you know, we, and we don't have time for relationship with strangers. And in the Bible, the word hospitality actually means love of strangers. Um, it's the Greek word itself is, I I can't pronounce the Greek very well, but it's phileo xenos and phileo is love. And then xenos is the same root word as the, uh, the root of xenophobia. So fear of strangers. Um, but in the Bible, it means love of strangers. And so that's where the Bible bumps hospitality to this whole other level of not just welcoming our friends and family into our lives, but you know, being open to loving strangers. And I think when I'm so busy, um, you know, with activities or even just like a coffee with a friend and I don't reserve space in my life for a neighbor or a stranger or just having downtime where I'm not rushing from one thing to the next, then I have no space for strangers in my life. You know, in fact, if I see somebody that's an acquaintance, I like want to avoid them because I don't have time. (laughs) So I'm so guilty of that, but, but that's where I've been. Just, just realize that I need to say no to some of um, the things the culture tells me that I have to do. And especially with my kids, like, you know, you have to have them in an instrument and a sport and they have to do this other thing. But I have three kids. So if all three kids do three activities, you know, when they're older, that's nine things. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. And so, um, and what that means is it bumps out all that reserved space in my time and my schedule for anyone else um, that God want, might want me to get to know. Um, so, yeah, so I, that's kind of my struggle right now is just realizing I want to have downtime, not just for us to, you know, rest and replenish, you know, cause I think that's really important too, but also downtime. Like, can we walk, do I have time to walk down the street and chat with a neighbor for 30 minutes and not feel annoyed? So, you know, and I think if I don't have that in my schedule, maybe I'm doing too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something for all of us to think about. Uh, Well, so you you just sort of mentioned about being, you know, we're talking about being busy, but so you say that we can't practice hospitality when we're depleted and when sleep sleep eludes us, sicknesses attack and work deadlines linger. The last thing that we want to do is to invite, but you're actually giving readers the freedom to catch their breath. So, so would you maybe tell us what leads you to come to this conclusion? I'm definitely guilty of burning out. Um, and with a book about hospitality and I, the last thing I wanted to do was to add something like a burden <laughs> to someone, um, into myself too. Cause I, cause that's not the point of it. It's not to add this, like ex- this extra thing on our to-do list. Um, instead, I, I think that hospitality, if it's a way of life, it also includes rest time. And I think if we feel so overwhelmed or anxious or 
we're, we're maybe not, not inviting for the right reasons. It is time to pull back and, um, you know, maybe just spend time alone or spend time with our families for a little while. Um, I think personally, I I am more extroverted. I'm, I'm kind of like on the border of introvert and extrovert. So when I was single, what I would do is I would, I would start feeling lonely. And so I lived alone in China. So I would start like scheduling lots of things like I would a coffee or have people over and like just packed my schedule for like two weeks. And then at the end of the two weeks, I was so tired and so burned out. I didn't want to see anyone for two full weeks. I like, I literally just like would go to work and then I would go back to my apartment and just like binge watch TV. Cause I was just so burned out. Um, so since getting married, I married an introvert. And, and I've actually always, um, when I wasn't living alone, I lived with introverts. Um, so I've kind of learned from my introverted roommates and husband. And, um, and so he, he helps keep me balanced. So I think if you have a good introvert in your life, if you're an extrovert, that's a great thing. Um, and are you still there? I am still here. I'm <laughs> Recently I, I went on this long monologue talking and I like, I, the person was not there at the end. <laughs> I'm listening intently. (laughs) I'm the introvert. I'm the introvert, which is so funny. Yeah. A lot of introverts read my book and they felt like they kind of had a sigh of relief when they got to chapter eight, which was called solitude. (laughs) I don't have to like do all the things. Um, But so my introverted husband, like I'll be tempted to overschedule and then he, he helps keep me balanced and he'll just say, how about instead of three things at night, we have one can't, we know we over more than once a week for our family, um, to just stay healthy because there's usually inevitably one or two other things going on. Or if, if you're involved in a church and you have a small group, like for me, that, that kind of drains me actually to have a small group at church, especially if I'm hosting it. I don't, I'm not wanting to invite a ton of other people over through the, you know, throughout the week. So, um, so he's really helped me a ton. And then the introverts I've lived with in the past have how to just be and be okay with not doing all the time, but just resting and relaxing and that's okay. And that's healthy. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that we have to keep a balance and yet I think that a lot of people don't invite because they, they're so stressed out about the details and meal. And so to that, I would say that's, that's a little bit different. Um, and I've talked to my introverted friends about that and they, cause they, they worry, they're like, Oh, all these people. And, and I don't think you have to invite, you know, 30 people to your house. Like they'll stress out even about a family. But when I've asked them, I've said, but how was it during the time? And after, like you felt stressed before and you're worried how did you feel during and after? And they're like, we're always gladly invited. Um, they don't regret it. And so they, for them, they've said it's really important to just have like a buffer before the social event and then after the event and just that they know that, that it's not going to be hours and hours um, and they're not going to get any time to re-energize. That's yeah, a that sounds. That sounds exactly like me. You just described me. Uh, <laughs> a lot of introverts. <laughs> so I'm like, tell me how you feel about this hospitality thing. So yeah, I mean, it's really your, your experience too. So, so many of us 
hesitate to open of our doors because we are afraid that people might see us for who we really are. And I'm raising my hand right now. So So how do we overcome fear and push through loneliness to live life with others? I mean, I'm still learning that too, but I think, um, you know, when I am invited to someone's house, their house is not spotless. I'm so relieved. Um, like I, I'm, it's just, I think people want to see your real life. They don't, they don't want to see your fake life. And I think, you know, certain stages of our life, like right now I'm sitting in a room where my kids toys are and it is disgusting (laughs) (laughs) because we've been busy this week and I have not had time to like even make them clean it up. And it's one of those where I'm like, I'm going to be a good mom and make them do it. But it means I have to sit here in this complete mess. Well, and I, we have neighbors, you know, the kids will come by and they'll be here and then their parents will come by to get them and they see this mess. And I'm just even, Oh, even a couple days ago, you know, someone saw my van and usually it's like clean ish. Um, but (laughs) you know, but like it's worse than it's ever been. And I was so embarrassed, but I'm like, but that mom was probably really relieved when she saw my van. She was probably like, Oh, phew. Like this, lady doesn't have it together. So I, I, you know, no shame about me not having it together. So I think that people want to see our real lives. Um, and so, yeah, I I will say that having people over forces me to sweep my floor at at the very least. And that's, that feels good to me, but I don't feel I'm beyond having to have a clean house. Um, because I know I'll never invite anyone over if I have to have a clean So, uh, you know, if, if I have to have a perfectly clean house and a perf- and a wonderful meal and my kids have to be well-behaved, I'm sorry, you're never coming to my house. <laughs> but if I can let my own expectations like be lower and just say, you know what, my kids are not going to be that well-behaved, my house, I will sweep the floor for you and I'll wipe the counters and I'll move the clutter to a different room. Like I'll do that for you, <laughs> you know, and I'll, I'll do the best I can with the meal, with what I have. And, you know, we might have to have paper plates, but guess what? Like people don't care about that stuff. They want friendship. They want relationship. They want connection. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. They don't care what your house looks like and what, uh, you know, what, what food you serve. I mean, I think it's nice to ask people their food restrictions and if they're gluten-free, you know, I don't, I mean, don't pay, not pay any attention to that, but, um, I think we focus on the wrong things. Um, and in fact, people just want a friend. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Well, so hospitality looks very different as a single woman versus a married woman versus a married woman with children. So what advice do you have for women in each of these stages of life? I mean, I think it so much depends on I mean, I'm mostly speaking from my own experience, um, but I do want to give the disclaimer that, you know, I think it really depends on your job. It depends on your personality. Like if you are more introverted or extroverted, it depends on sometimes your spouse, your husband. Um, and people have asked me that too. They're like, you know, I want to host, but my husband is not into it. Yeah. So what that, you know, um, and you know, it depends on your kids. Like I said, my kids are not well behaved. <laughs> so they, um, you know, like if, if I had the, the type of children that were the like sit on the floor and color type of children, 
I would, I would host a lot, but my kids are not that way. They're all, all three are extroverted and they would love to have people over every day. And they're waiting at the door in the driveway whenever we have house guests and, but they go berserk when we have people because they just love it. They love people and they, they draw out all the energy of our guests. And anyway, so all that to say, I, I, it's hard to say a blanket, like single people should do this and married and, you know, um, married with kids. But, um, I would say that, are you still there? I am still here. <laughs> I know, I'm there. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would say that, you know, when I was single, I, I did have more space in my schedule, but I had a lot more time. I was working a lot more and I was, I was more tired, um, just from working. And so, um, you know, I, I say do what you love. And, um, if you love having people over, then do it. Or another way of thinking about hospitality is inviting people into what you're already doing. And so, um, like as a mom, if I'm taking my kids to a park, sometimes I, you know, I need to challenge myself to invite another mom to bring her kids or to go on a walk with us or, you know, just think of who I can include in this activity I'm already doing. Or, um, like we just had a couple over with, and and they don't have kids. And so that was really nice. She brought the dessert and they came after the kids went to bed. And, um, yeah, it's been amazing to have friends that don't have kids. And actually we've had some, some of those friends who are amazing, who, when we lived in Chicago, they volunteered, uh, they volunteered to like babysit our kids once a month mm-hmm. so that we could go on a date night. I was like, you people are saints. <laughs> like, I hope somebody does the same for you and you have kids. Um, but just, I think it's about finding ways to be in other, in each other's lives that are not stressful or overwhelming, but are pretty natural. And so, um, yeah, like, right, like our stage of life with kids, hospitality more often looks like kind of spontaneous you know, can you guys come over or, um, it, it usually involves the kids in some way, just because if we have money for a babysitter, we usually want to go on a date night. We don't want to, you know, pay to, um, you know, go out with a bunch of families or something or couples. So I don't know. I think, I think you, I think the key is to be, um, aware though of, of making space for hospitality and being intentional about reaching out and inviting and just ask yourself, have we had anyone over in the past six months? Mm-hmm. Have we had anyone over in the past year? Because uh, when we moved out here, we visited 18 different churches wow. and we realized um, we got involved at two for about a year each, but we realized at the end of three years that we had only been invited to a church member's home. So not a small group or a church related event, but just like, can you come for dinner or can you come for coffee three times in three years? So that was like once a year we were invited wow. to someone. Yeah. And so, and I think it's just easy to get busy and to not do it. And so I think, you know, it really starts with just maybe making a list of people that you want to have over and like putting it on the fridge and remind, and then, you know, blocking out once a month that it's like, you haven't invited them yet, but this is your night that, or day or, you know, Sunday afternoon that you're going to invite somebody. And, um, you know, if it gets to the time, maybe a week ahead and you're just burned out from activities and whatever, don't do it, but, but try to block that time out ahead of time. And that way, when that comes around, you, you already have that space reserved to invite. So I think a lot of, you know, in the West, it comes down to planning 
you know, I think if we plan to do it, we'll do it. And if we, if we don't, we're not going to do it. I'm feeling convicted. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'm like, how have you been like bugging my house? Because you're, <laughs> you just grabbed me as an introvert. And then now even like my family, because, because, you know, I would, even though I'm an introvert, I do really, um, people and where I, where I write most all day, then I'm like, the evenings come and I'm ready to like, okay, let's do something. And then my husband, where he's been at work all day with people, he's ready to come home and just be like, oh, I need a breather. Yeah. And of course, there's then my two kids, you know, I've got the one extrovert and the one introvert and one wants to go all the time and the other wants to stay home all the time. And then, you know, yeah. even my, even my friendships where we used to like when they're preschoolers and just, you know, everybody's okay playing with like, you know, I don't know little figurines and now my kids have opinions and so even trying to navigate that to say well you know my friends my friends kids and my kids aren't don't connect like I wish they would sometimes I know that's so hard yeah Um, so yeah just balancing all of that but I'm finding that like my son just started um playing football well Mm -hmm. this is a whole brand new um, sport for us and it's a whole new set of families for us and so I'm trying yep. to like make the best use of practice time and get to and the games and get to know some of these new families so I'm finding I guess in the season I am being married with children that I'm just fitting it in either during the day when my husband is at work and they're at school or yeah. um, or during the making new friends with whoever I'm around at the time, whatever practice or game we're at at the moment, you know? Oh, totally. And I think that's what it's all about. I think it's about adapting and adapting to our life as it is and not wishing we had a different life where we could have a perfect home and invite people over and have happy, you know, times around the campfire with our neighbors. <laughs> you know what I mean? I see all those pictures on Instagram and I'm like, with your like beautiful lights outside. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where are their kids? And well I will say so I do have a neighbor that is a chef and she Uh does invite us over and she literally made homemade marshmallows (laughs) cooked around a campfire that's amazing (laughs) and did you put the picture on Instagram to make everyone else (laughs) yeah we did we totally did (laughs) (laughs) but I but I I love that point that you say that hospitality does not have to be complicated. It does not have to be fancy. Mm -hmm. Um, We simply must create space for connection and conversation. So, and I I really do think that this maybe is, well, there's lots of issues with this, you know, the fear, but also Mm -hmm. just this, this pressure to be perfect. Why, why do we think we have to be and how do we move past it? I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah. Social media doesn't help for sure. Um, and for me, I, I do want like my son who's six about to be seven, I'll be, you know, madly sweeping and, you know, before the guests come and he's like, mom, he's the one that's always like, mom, it doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> he's like, mom, it doesn't matter. He's always the one. Um, you know, I, I think we don't want people to think we're slobs. I mean, like, it's just, I think it's natural to um, care a little bit about what people think, but I think that when that gets in the way of actually inviting people, that's when it becomes a huge problem. Um, if that's going to keep us from ever having anyone over, then, you know, I think we need to do some 
soul work there of like, okay, what's more important, the house in my, in the way people see me or a relationship. And, you know, people are eternal. Like this other stuff is not, this is going to burn. I mean, it's like, it's not anything that, that matters. Um, tomorrow it's going to be messy again. So, um, but the relationship will last beyond that. And so, yeah, I, I don't know how to get over perfectionism other than to just reflect uh, on ourselves and um, just remind, keep reminding ourselves that like that people don't care about that. They really don't. Um, but they do want to have a friend and a relationship and they want to be invited. That's more important. And so that's what I try to encourage myself and others is to just give the, like invite first. So just send the text message and then worry about all this, the other stuff later. So just Or, you know, if you see someone in person, but just start. Going to meet and what you're going to cook or not cook or who's going to bring, you know, like worry about all that later. Just invite first. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even say this, but my husband will say sometimes be like, I'm so glad we had people over because, like, you cleaned. (laughs) Well, that's why I told Madison we're going to start hosting our small group once a week. And I'm like, we're going to have such a clean house. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be well fed and I'll be showered. And (laughs) my kids might even be bathed. Yeah. (laughs) But you're right. But people don't remember the clean floors. They remember how we made them feel or how we felt, you know, when we went. Uh, That does go into it. I mean, for sure. Like I remember this time going to a friend's house and I had a baby and she made me, she invited me over. I had two kids. One was yeah, a baby and my son was probably two and a half and I was exhausted. And she had one son that was probably two and a half or three. But I remember when I got in, she had made pumpkin bread and she was, the, the boys were playing upstairs. She had a little basement downstairs. And, um, she was like, why don't you just um, go downstairs. I forget. Maybe I had to nurse the baby or something. I don't remember. But anyway, I ended up downstairs, um, on the, this like really comfortable couch, eating pumpkin bread, drinking coffee and just like zoning out. <laughs> and I was like, this is ultimate hospitality, like just feeling cared for. And, um, and so that was environment. Like she did, she made the food. She just get, pointed me to the nice couch. Like she, I've, I just felt very cared for in that moment. And so I think those things can matter. Um, but it was a messy room and I, I, I didn't pay attention to if she had swept or, you know, anything I was like, but I felt so seen and loved and cared for. So I think, you know, it, it, it is those, sometimes it does come down to those little things though. Like I made you pumpkin bread. I'm like, what? <laughs> mm, that sounds so good. It's like the start of fall. I know. <laughs> yeah. So just make one of your new mom, you know, if you have a friend that just had a baby, just invite her over and make her some pumpkin bread and tell her to sit on the couch and give her a cup of coffee and yeah. let her zone out. And that'll be like ultimate hospitality. Yeah. Or even it's okay to go and buy the pumpkin bread. Yeah. Well, and recently a friend, I was asked if I could bring anything to her kid's birthday party. And she said, Oh no, I'm doing it. Leslie style. I was like, what is that? She said, she said, actually, she said, I'm doing it Costco style, you know, like Leslie style. I was like, that's how you know me. I like, I'm Costco style. 
I used to be the one that like made all the homemade everything. And I'm like, this is my reputation now. But it's because it's, you know, I'm like, otherwise I'm not gonna invite people over. If I don't go and just buy the veggie tray at Costco or something, like I, I just, I won't, I won't be doing it myself and I won't be inviting. So, you know, you, you cut the corners at certain seasons of life so that, you know, you can have the time for people. This is so freeing. So, you know, there is actually, I mean, there people, some people do have the gift of hospitality. Like that, that is a thing. People love it. In the Bible. Yeah. Oh, but it's actually but, not. So here's a misconception. People think it's a gift, a spiritual gift. And I've ta- I've seen it on spiritual gifts test. Yeah. If you start going in the Bible and looking at the passages, it's never listed as a spiritual gift ever. Instead, no. Yeah. Really? Instead, yeah. So like, um, what is it? I forget. I'm, I'm forgetting the past, but f- there's a passage in first Peter that says, you know, um, practice hospitality. It just says practice hospitality. It's a command. And then Romans 12, 13, again, says share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. And like I said, the word hospitality means love of strangers. So it's not like some people have the gift of loving strangers and some don't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I only love people who love me. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's actually a misconception. So I think some people do enjoy it more. You know, they love cooking and hosting and they're more extroverted. I think that's a thing. But as far as like a spiritual gift, it's not. It's it's a it's a command like to every follower of Jesus. So. Mm, you are giving me some things to think about. I know. I'm like, that's spiritual gift inventory lied to me. <laughs> I know. I've taken those tests too. And I'm, but there's also like the gift of martyrdom. And I mean, there's some weird gifts on there. So careful with your spiritual gifts tests, everyone. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So we've talked about our husbands and children quite a bit because that's the stage that we are in. Um, yeah. So, would you share about maybe just the importance of, of being hospitable to our families? Yeah. Um, yeah. When, one day I came across, I don't know if you've ever read any Henry Nowen, but he wrote a book called reaching out and he was a, um, a priest and about, families, children, and hospitality, actually. And he said that our children are uh, strangers that we have to get to know. And we, they're, he didn't say this, but it's, they're kind of our first tier of hospitality, our children, and then our husbands uh, or our spouses. And, um, but I love that, you know, thinking about like, these are little strangers, they're little guests that, that I have in my home for a time. It's not forever. But do, do I show them the same hospitality that I would show um, my friend that I invite over and I make the pumpkin bread and I try to make her feel comfortable, you know, do I, or sh- I didn't do that. She did that for me. But, um, but do I, do I show them the same kindness and respect and um, love that I might show to somebody else? Cause I'm trying to like put on a show mm-hmm. or make them, you know, see how like, you know, our motives can get kind of complicated at times if we're trying to do things to look a certain way, but our kids see us. I mean, they see this messy room where I'm sitting right now. Um, and, and do I, am I showing them hospitality? So I I thought that was really great actually. And I wondered like, maybe, 
maybe it helps to be a celibate priest to be objective, you know, about to be able to stand back and look into a family and be like, this is, this is the way it should be people. Uh, we need to show hospitality to our kids just like we do to others. And so mm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect about that, but I, you know, it did kind of make me think like, am I showing them hospitality? Like, do I treat them? I mean, the, sometimes the way I speak to my kids, like never in a million years would I speak to you that way or speak to anyone else that way. Um, and so it just, that's a whole nother thing too, but um, I'm not a parenting expert, everyone. Uh, I'm, I will never write a book about parenting. <laughs> By no, the way. never say never. <laughs> I know, I'm saying it on, on the record. <laughs> um, so, but that has helped me personally to just challenge my thinking about hospitality and my children. But, but along with that is, I think it's good to involve our kids as much as we can in the hospitality. And um, because then they develop a culture of hospitality, like our families have a a culture and, you know, they will take that into their families. Hopefully, you know, if they grow up, if they grow up having people over or having house guests or, you know, just, just serving others, then the hope, like I said, I mean, I I still have them at home, so I, I, I can't say if it's going to work, but my hope is that they will carry that into their families in the future. Mm, that is a good challenge. Um, that's so good. So you also tell readers to release the guilt of not being good friends with like their whole social media list. Yeah. And instead you recommend that they focus on people that are on their Jericho road. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you mean by this? So that comes from, um, you know, I had been kind of reading through the story of the Good Samaritan um, and I was feeling kind of guilty actually, because, well, like I said, I was a goer. So I'm one, I'm one of those people that's like, I have to have the radical life and, you know, do all the hard things and, you know, live in poverty, like intentionally or live, you know, to help people living in poverty. And anyway, that's like, again, I could talk a lot about that and some of the the pride that I went into that mindset with. But, um, so I was feeling a little bit guilty. I had, you know, three kids at home. I was feeling like maybe I need to be, cause I know God wants me to love strangers. How can I know strangers? How can I pay attention to them? Maybe I need to go volunteer at a prison and, you know, maybe teach writing or maybe I need to teach an ESL class. Cause I used to do that in China. And as I was going, I, I reflected on the story of the good Samaritan. Cause I just read it that morning. And um, in that story, I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with it, but um, just a refresher was the, you know, someone had asked Jesus after, well, Jesus said, and to that, God answered with the story of the Good Samaritan about who your neighbor is. And so the Samaritan, I won't tell it long, I'll tell it short, but, um, you know, on the road to Jericho, he run. um, there's a man who is robbed and, you know, bleeding. And so a priest comes, crosses the road, ignores him. Then a Levite crosses the road, ignores him. And then a Samaritan stops and helps him. And so as I was running, I was thinking about this and I was just reflecting on the fact that the Samaritan was going somewhere. Like he was on his way. He, you know, probably was doing business or something. And, he wasn't looking like he wasn't like called to this ministry of stopping and helping people bleeding on the side of the road. Like he, he was um, doing his thing and then he was, you know, 
inconvenienced, but stopped for this man. And um, you're there, right? I'm here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I keep stopping, but I'm like really terrified. Well, yeah, we should tell we should tell um, listeners we have had like a, an incredible amount of like technical <laughs> difficulties. So I'm going to just make sure I'm not talking for no reason. And I'm afraid of monologuing and not being recorded. So so anyway, so he, um, so he stops anyway. And so as I was reflecting this story, I felt like God, I don't know, it wasn't audible or anything, but in my head, I, I kind of felt like God was saying, stay on your Jericho road, Leslie, and stop trying to veer over onto everyone else's roads. Because I, you know, I was trying to veer over here to the prison and veer over here to this. And then suddenly I remembered there was a woman that I had been hanging out with at, you know, preschool pickup afterwards, the kids would play. And I had just been chatting with her every, um, you know, every time I picked up my son and she was a single mom with five kids and she needed some help with one of her sons. And, you know, it hadn't even occurred to me to offer to help her, you know, here I'm like Googling, Googling all these other things I could be doing. And I didn't even pay attention. And so, um, so suddenly I, that was really freeing to me to, to realize I didn't have to go so far to find strangers that God wanted me to love. There was, there were people on my Jericho road right there in the shoulder that, that needed my help and needed a friend. And, um, you know, and so I think certain seasons of our life, maybe we do have a little bit more time or space to follow our passions and our interests and maybe the, I think those things will lead us to people that, um, that God wants us to love and serve. But at times of our life, like right now, when I have three tiny kids, I don't have a lot of margin, but there's still people there. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's, I still have neighbors on either side of me and across the street. I still have moms that I'm seeing dropping their kids off after school. And we're just kind of like lingering and, you know, and like you, you're, you're at the football practice you're seeing strangers and you're there, but like who, you know, so who's there? Like, I mean, there's somebody on your Jericho road. And I think that's true of every person, unless we live alone in the middle of nowhere. Um, like we have strangers all around us. I think we just don't see them. Mm, yeah. Well, so holy hospitality requires more of Jesus and, and less of us. And you say, um, as you did earlier, it's, it's a habit and a command. So through your study of scripture, how did Jesus engage in community? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes along with that, the story that I shared and then the commands. Um, but also, I mean, if you study the life of Jesus, I mean, just read the gospels and pay attention to who Jesus spent time with. And, you know, Jesus was actually more often a guest than he was a, a host. Um, and, but he often spent time with people like not the religious leaders and not his, you know, friends and family at first. Um, it was with, you know, Zacchaeus, he, you know, tracked down or Matthew, who was a tax collector. It was, you know, the, he's, he stopped and talked to the woman at the well, who, you know, was a woman that nobody else would talk to. Um, you know, it, he had, he, he had an agenda and he had, he, you know, he was about the kingdom, but he had time and space in his, schedule to, to slow down and to, to stop for someone, you know, when he's in the crowd and a woman touches him, um, he, he stops when, you know, and he, he, he just always, people were never an inconvenience to him or he, it, it seemed to me it, as I read the gospels, 
it doesn't seem that people ever were an interruption to Jesus. And, um, and so for me, that's a challenge to, to not see people as an interruption to my day, but as someone that, that God maybe put there for me to talk to. So I think for me, it's just kind of a, a shift in mindset, um, out of myself and my own agenda, and then just a little bit to open my mind and my, you know, my attitude towards the people around me and to recognize, you know, maybe God put, put those people there and maybe, um, you know, I need to love them. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A a divine interruption or divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a fascinating interview with Enneagram coach Lisa Russell from Restoration Counseling to Mm -hmm. discuss hospitality to the various Enneagram types. Mm -hmm. How does understanding your personality and the personalities of those you are inviting transform the way we show hospitality? Yeah, so um, that was, I love that conversation with her because I went into it thinking, we were going to talk about how each, each Enneagram type shows hospitality. And instead she reframed it and said, let's talk about how to show hospitality to each Enneagram type. And, um, I love that because it was just so much more compassionate and selfless. And, um, yeah, I think understanding your personality, but also understanding your spouse, your, your friends, um, you know, the people that maybe come over frequently, how they feel loved is really important because not everyone feels loved the same way and not everyone feels seen and heard in the same way. And so I think understanding our personality types, you know, no matter what, um, test or whatever personality thing, I mean, Enneagram seems to be pretty popular these days, but I think that that can, can kind of expand the way that we show love to other people because it's not, you know, the way we feel loved is not necessarily the way someone else feels loved. Right. Like pumpkin bread and coffee. Yeah. Although I'm going to feel loved by that. I don't know. I do. I do. You and I do. Yeah. That's the way to our heart. Right. But yeah, like I have another friend, like she feels most loved when I give her a job. I mean, she wants, she wants something to do, you know, she's an Enneagram too. And so she, she wants to serve others and that's how she actually feels loved is by you know, not just being served, but she wants to serve. And so, yeah, but I'm like, oh, I would rather be served. (laughs) (laughs) We're good friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's a match made in heaven right there. Everyone needs to find yourself a two friend. (laughs) Well, and it reminds me too of the, um, the love languages, you know, that book from the, and it's true. You know, once you start to understand what somebody actually needs of you and how they feel loved, it it does help the relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so Leslie, this podcast is designed to celebrate and catalyze extraordinary givers and in the light of your book and invited, how has, or I guess who has been an extraordinary giver to you? Like someone who has loved you well by inviting you in, you've talked about how you've sort of invited others in, but I want to hear who did that for you. Yeah. Well, and actually I think, I feel like my book has a way more stories of people inviting me than me inviting them. So <laughs> I've learned by being invited. So, um, yeah, what comes to mind is when I was in college, I, um, 
was in a adopt a college student program that our church had done. And I, I don't think it did it very long, but a family agreed to like host me. And I was in Chicago. My family was in Florida. And so this family welcomed me in, but they, but now looking back, I'm, I'm kind of amazed because they had four kids age three, five, seven, and nine. And they invited me over every Sunday after church. And, and I would stay like, after, you know, she would make this amazing meal and then the husband would make coffee and we'd just sit around talking and I would stay until like four. And now that I have kids of my own, I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's a lot, you know, to have a yeah. meal. And then, you know, no downtime in the after. I mean, it was downtime. It's not like it was, I don't think I stressed them out, but, um, but that was very sacrificial of them. And it, they never made a big deal of it. You know, nobody ever pointed, like brought them to the front of the church and like, you know, said they were exemplary for their hospitality. Um, but they just did it. And now looking back, I'm like, that was amazing. Like I would love to be that sort of family for someone else, uh, one day. Um, their kids were very different than my kids. Like I said, I don't remember their kids like running around or, you know, being so hyper, um, because of my presence, like my kids might be, but, um, but then again, maybe if we did it every week, my kids wouldn't be like that. You know, it would just be like, Oh, this is a part of our family this woman is our family. So I thought that was to me, um, such a picture of selfless hospitality. Yeah. Well, so to sort of wrap up our conversation, how, how would you recommend listeners be extraordinary givers as they practice hospitality? I don't think they need to be extraordinary. I think they can just be ordinary givers and that's probably okay. You know, I think, um, like I said, you know, just, plan to be spontaneous sometimes, you know, plan, make, just add one plan in your, in your schedule that you hadn't done before and, you know, make your list of people that you really want to invite and just kind of start working your way through the list. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think we get overwhelmed by feeling like we have to be, have like show radical hospitality and then we just don't do it. And so I think if we can take away the radical, take away the extraordinary, take away the, even the holy, you know, and just do hospitality and just do it where we are with the people that we, that live right around us or the people at our church that we don't know, you know, or, you know, I think that we'll be more likely to do it if we take the pressure off of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm challenged for sure. So, and I, I, I can only imagine that listeners when they hear will be too. So how can we all stay connected with you and and follow what you're doing? Yeah, my website's the best probably. Um, So scrapingraisins.com. And if they sign up for my newsletter, that chapter one of my book is for free. Uh, I'll meet, I'll email it to them. Um, And my social media is on there too. So I'm on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and the, the links are right on my website. So yeah, probably my, my blog. So it's scrapingraisins.com. And yeah, I would love to connect with some listeners. Well, Leslie, thanks for being my guest today. Uh, uh, even though you were my guest, I feel like you showed me hospitality. So this topic is just so relevant and so needed. And I think we should all go and invite someone to get together after hearing your perspective. Yeah. Even yeah, one person counts. Yep. That's right. It'll make a difference. So God bless you, Leslie. Thank, Thank you so you. much. You too.
Y'all, thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope and pray that it made you feel less lonely, isolated, and disconnected from God and from others. You know, I'm realizing how much we all crave this authentic community, and I'm so thankful for Leslie for giving us a place to start. And as we go through this next week, I will be considering, and I hope that you do as well, who is on your Jericho Road that you can extend an invitation to today. And as Leslie said, we don't have to go far to find strangers that God wants us to love. If you want show notes and links to connect with Leslie and some of her wonderful quotes, you can head on over to Rachel K. Adams or go over to Instagram and Facebook to follow Rachel Adams author and you can find all of those there. Y'all thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Next week's episode will be with Nikki Hardy. She has written Breathe Again after her cancer diagnosis. And she and I talk about how we can learn to not just survive, but to also thrive. And until then, I hope you have a great week.